champ is here. The champ is here. The champ is here. That's right, the champ is here, loved by many, hated by a few, respected by all, second to none. This radio podcast show is the best radio podcast, second to none, from, hey, you know where, you know what I'm about to say, you know, from from the south side to the north side, the east side to the west side, it's always the best side with the commercial radio show. The best radio show from Como to the Congo, that's right, from Como to to the Congo, and now you know. But you know what? I bet you there's going to be some people in Cameroon that are going to be listening to us right now today. In Cameroon, they're going to be listening to us. But all over Texas, all over Texas, they are going to be listening to this young man right right here, right beside me now. I let him introduce himself to you, Thierry Tachinko. Tachinko. Chenko. Chenko. That's right. Man, I've been trying to practice this all day, man. No, don't worry. Don't worry. Man, you know what it is? Most of all, I've been trying to practice all of my, my you know, bylines yeah. and everything, and I added Cameroon onto it because of you being here, man. Not a so problem. Thank that's, you for asking. That's the reason yeah. why I wanted to do that. And But for lack of time, I ain't going to say all that over again. No, it's all good. But, but we'll work it out. Over, we'll work it out. It's <laughs> over. It's over. It's over. But, hey, I'm glad to have you here on the show. Appreciate it. Thank you for I'm having me. I'm glad to have you here on the show, man. But, uh, hey, it's been a little while. The last time we talked. We talked uh, here in Grand Prairie, Texas, That's right. and uh, you were indicating to me that you were going to be doing some things, uh, some big things. That's right. And I was like, man, what is he talking about? You're going to be running for, like, city council in Houston or something like that. But uh, you dropped the knowledge on me the other day, man, through uh, Twitter. That's right. That you running for the United States Senate. That's right. That's right. On Monday, we publicly launched our campaign for the United States Senate against Ted Cruz. Against Ted Cruz. That's right. Against Ted Cruz. Against Ted Cruz. Now, most people, when they decide to run for office, they decide to run for, like, city council, school board trustee, that type of thing. But you decided to go straight to the top. That's right. Why? Texans aren't getting their needs met by everyday politicians. And so there was a conviction that I had for this race And early in the year, I had started a series called Talking Texas with Thierry, where I traveled the state Mm -hmm. talking to folks in urban and rural Texas because after midterms in November, I felt like the the perspectives of everyday Texans weren't being heard and weren't being highlighted. So I went out and wanted to highlight those perspectives. So we went out, and as I was doing that, there started to be a conviction that I felt for this U.S. Senate seat. And I had always told myself, if I run for office, I don't want to run just to run. I want to run out of principle. I want to run out of conviction. So I took some time and wrestled with it, prayed, fasted, talked to my wife, and I decided this is what I need to do. Now you prayed and fasted. That's right. 
Now, prayed and fasted. I mean, you you did a lot of praying to, to run for United States Senate against Ted Cruz. Sure. Ted Cruz is not the most likable guy in the world. Uh, you know, last I checked, even Donald Trump doesn't like his wife. Okay. So, you know, that being said, why run against Ted Cruz when you could have very well picked someone else down ballot? Now, I know you said a lot of that, the Texans weren't getting their, their needs met. Yeah. But, you know, that's like a, 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 a big stretch, you know. Uh, could you explain For sure. why? When I look at a United States senator and the ability of being able to pass policy on the federal level to help out everyday Texans, Ted Cruz hasn't been doing the job. And so it was important for me to run this race in order to make sure that I'm creating a new way forward that's focused on serving everyday Texans and working families in the state. And that's on a number of issues. That's on wages. That's on education. That's on health care. That's on immigration. Ted Cruz is an everyday politician, and people in Texas are tired of that because their needs aren't being met. Now, you're from where? Born and raised in Houston. In Houston? And you've been campaigning uh, since Monday all over the state. Then. That's right. Did you fly up, fly up from Houston or what? We drove up. So we la- Republicans launched a campaign on Monday. On Tuesday, we went to Eagle Pass at the border to see what was going on firsthand. On Wednesday, I was in Round Rock for the AFL-CIO convention, making sure to support our labor community. And yesterday, I was in Lake Jackson, and today I'm up here in Dallas talking to you. Man, you're getting a lot of miles on your car, man. For sure, for sure. And that's the way it's supposed to be. We're a campaign that's going to be on the ground, talking to people, listening to their needs and concerns. It's not good enough just to be on social media talking about things. You actually have to be on the ground talking with people. Now, when I talked to you early part of this week, I thought for sure you were going to call in because I asked you, you going to call in, and you said I'd be up here. And I, yeah. I was amazed that you said that. And I, yeah. I checked my phone this morning to see whether or not you were actually going to come or whether or not yeah. you were just going to say, never mind, dude, yeah, no, I'm just going to no. come. No, I needed to be here in person. There's a difference. There's a difference having conversations with people in person, being able to understand their body language. People feel more comfortable. And that's what we're missing from everyday politicians. Everyday politicians are not going to people and talking with them about their needs and concerns. And that's why an everyday Texan like me needs to be in the United States Senate to serve those everyday Texans. Now, what do you do in Houston? You, you keep saying everyday politician. What do you do? I've been a lifelong public servant. So most recently, I was a nonprofit executive at a nonprofit called Rebuilding Together Houston, which provides home repairs to seniors, vets, and low-income families. So Rebuilding Together Houston, over the last 40 years, had repaired about 15,000 homes in the Houston-Harris County area. Now, Houston being what it is uh, in Dallas, you, yeah. you hear and Eagle Pass, it's, it's on the border here. Sure. I, I can see there could be a possible linkage between Houston and Dallas and getting votes. Sure. What about Eagle Pass? Why were you in Eagle Pass? Because if I'm going to be a United States senator, then I need to represent all 254 counties. It's not good just to represent a couple of counties because they're heavily populated. A United States senator is statewide. And so it's important for me to go all around the state and talk with people on the ground about the needs that they're dealing with. And with Governor Abbott's political stunts at the border, I wanted to go down there and make sure to talk with people to hear about what they're going through and to understand what they need out of a United States senator. So you think that was a stunt that the governor did? Absolutely. Why would you say that? Razor wires and buoys, that's not border security. It's not border security. It's a political stunt. And we need immigration solutions, and that's what I plan on doing when elected to the United States Senate, is proposing an immigration bill to make sure that we're valuing migrants and we have safe borders. We can do both, but we need someone in Washington that's going to be pushing that. And as a United States senator, 
from Texas. We need someone that's leading the way on that issue. Now, how can we do both? We can do both by valuing migrants, making sure that we have a pathway to citizenship for folks that are coming across, looking for jobs, coming from horrible conditions, aren't committing crimes. At the same time, we can also have safe borders by upgrading our technology across the 2,000-mile-long border, making sure that we're increasing the amount of immigration judges that we have. Right now, we have a 2.1 million case backlog, and we only have 650 immigration judges. So you're saying it's 2.1 million people that have crossed the border into Texas that haven't had a hearing? That's right. Their legal status is in Their limbo. legal status. That's right. Where are these 2.1 million people at? Well, they're, they're all over the place, and it's important, and that's why it's important for us to be able to pass a bill so that we can get those folks and make sure that their legal status is in place, and it's why we need a bill passed in Congress. Let me ask you a question about the legal status. Now, I, I, I know that I'm, I'm hitting you with these questions. No, it's not a problem. But the 2.1 million people that are here in the United States, let's just say someone comes across the border and they here in Texas and Governor Abbott decides to send them to New York. And we have an immigration judge in Texas. Do they have to come back to Texas? That's right. Who pays for that? That's right. Well, they have to figure out a way to be able to make it back here. And that's why our immigration system right now is broken on a number of fronts. And it's why we need to pass a law in Congress to make sure that we're able to incentivize legal immigration, and, and especially in Texas where we have a labor shortage in agriculture and manufacturing. We need more people to fill those jobs. And so another That's the reason of, why they're coming here. That's right. And so another piece of that legislation that I would pass is passing a guest worker program so that we can have folks come in and help out our Texas economy. It, it, it makes sense from a social standpoint, and it also makes sense from an economic standpoint for the state of Texas. Now, you've been doing a lot of work in Houston, sure. and I keep saying in Houston, in Houston, in Houston, in Houston. Okay. Uh, what other work have you done uh, in the state of Texas? So I'll give you my background. So lifelong public servant. I started in 2014 as an organizer on Wendy Davis's campaign in Houston as a field organizer. From there, I moved to D.C. for graduate school, where I went to Georgetown University. While I was there, I was a civil servant in the White House Office of Management and Budget, where I was overseeing budgets and seeing bills that were coming through. From there, I joined the mayor's office in D.C., was working in local government. Which mayor? Mayor Muriel Bowser. Okay. On the ground with people, making sure that resources weren't just available, but they were accessible. Now, see, that's what I was wanting to hear. I mean, because, you know, it's Houston, 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 and I, I got that. Yeah. But it's like, man, I know you've done something else other than that's just right. Houston itself. Georgetown University. That's right. That's where you was on, uh, on campus at Georgetown? I was on campus at Georgetown. Okay. So uh, I went to undergrad in Abilene, Texas, at McMurray University, and then went to graduate school at Georgetown in Washington, D.C. Was there a big difference between Georgetown and McMurray? I mean, it's different places, but I, I appreciated both and loved both. Wisconsin and O Street is better than any place I could think of. No, no, I love Abilene, Texas. <laughs> well, hey, I, I, I love Abilene, Texas. And that's what really gave me my love for rural Texas. And we talked about Eagle Pass. Oh, so you didn't fall for that one, huh? No, no, I, I love all 20 I thought I had you on that one, no, man. No, no, no. Nah, but, but seriously, being in, being in Abilene, Texas for four years, being in rural Texas, you know, a lot of times people like to make it seem as if rural Texans and urban Texans just don't have the same reality. Now, can you speak to somebody in, you know, in the country part of Texas, Absolutely. rural Texas? Absolutely. Now, now that's going to be uh, like the the hit or miss here on getting elected yeah. because 
you if you concentrate on the urban areas, well, then you just pigeonhole on that. You, can you speak to the people? Absolutely, and that's. But you have to be able to have a compelling case for why people should be voting for you instead of voting against Ted Cruz or the Republican Party. And that's really the difference between our campaign and everybody else's. We have a positive vision for the state, and we want to be able to get people to vote for Thierry Chenko instead of against Ted Cruz. So when you were in West Texas, right. uh, which is, you said you were at Eagle Pass. I was that's, in Eagle Pass. That's on the border. That's right. You had mentioned about the buoys and everything. That's right. Uh, what's your major concern outside the the human rights uh, issue involved with that and the immigration issue with that? Well, I mean, it's he's breaking international law. The governor is breaking international law with the razor wires and the buoys. And it's the most anti-border security, anti-law enforcement thing you can do. When you have Border Patrol agents that are saying, it's making my life a lot difficult to do my job because of these buoys and these razor wires, it's clear that it's not a part of the solution, but it's a part of the problem. But we need someone in Washington that's going to be able to understand that and pass policies to help be a part of the solution and not just political stunts. And that's, go, that's on Greg Abbott's watch with Ted Cruz's support. Now, political stunts being what they are and Austin being what it is, and you want to go straight to uh, Washington, D.C., can you work with the people that are in Austin? And have you worked with uh, the people in Austin itself? I haven't worked directly with people in Austin, but as a nonprofit executive at Rebuilding Together Houston, it was my job to find ways of being able to build partnerships with folks to be able to make sure that seniors, veterans, and low-income families had home repairs, that they were able to keep their homes. And in doing that, I had to build relationships with governmental partners, and some of those partners were right of the aisle. You know, there were Republicans, and that didn't matter to me because the ultimate goal was to make sure that people were able to keep their home and that they were able to get the repairs that they needed because folks bought their home, had made sure to do the maintenance on the home, but they had gotten to the point where they didn't have the money to do extra repairs or they were 60, 70, 80 years old and just couldn't do it anymore. And so stepping in and serving those folks, I had to find different ways of being able to do so. So in my experience, I've delivered four people, and I plan on doing the same thing in Washington, D.C. When you are in Washington, D.C., you have to get past the uh, primary yeah. to, in order to, to do that. Yeah. It's quite a few people running in this primary, yeah. uh, and I'm not going to mention their names because they're not here. You know, you wouldn't even justify them being here. That's what. That's no, it's what not a problem. It's not a problem. I'm excited that it's a contested primary. It's a contested primary, yeah. huh? And there's so many people in that primary. Uh, what pathway to victory do you have? Well, we're focused on serving everyday Texans and working families in the state. And as I mentioned at the top, we're the only campaign that has a positive vision for the state. And I'm not spending the majority of my time talking about how bad Ted Cruz is. But most importantly, I'm not an everyday politician. But a lot of other people are doing that. That's they, right. They spend a lot of time talking about how bad Ted Cruz is, sort of like, being in the boxing ring, you, you don't concentrate on the other guy's fight. You concentrate on your fight, That's right. what I'm going to uh, do. So that being said, uh, you're not paying attention to Ted Cruz. You're paying attention to yourself. I'm paying attention to myself and the, the needs and the concerns of Texans in our state and finding ways to make sure that as a candidate and as a senator that I'll be able to fit, meet those needs. Now, what have, the, what have the people of Texas been telling you? Cost of living increases That's going through the roof. Look at our wages right now. Right now in the state of Texas, minimum wage is seven twenty five. Seven twenty five. Seven twenty five. And that's about the same rate that it was when uh, 
<laughs> when uh, Martin Luther King was. Uh, so it became 725 in 2009. And I'm just saying, yeah. index to inflation. That's right. It, it still has the same buying power as it did in 1968. That's right. 40% of workers in the state of Texas make under $15 an hour. Under $15 an hour. So when you look at that and then you see the, how inflation is going through the right. roof. Right, that's what I'm talking cost about. Cost of living. Folks aren't able to take care of their basic responsibilities. And we need someone that understands that and is going to go to Washington and fight to increase the minimum wage and increase that baseline for families. So, seven, how much you say it was? Seven twenty-five. Seven twenty-five. Right. Gasoline costs three fifty-five. That's right. That's that's not a livable wage. It's not a livable wage whatsoever. And you haven't bought any groceries yet. That's right. Oh, you haven't found a place to live at. That's right. So, what would be the adequate uh, uh, wage for an employee in the state of Texas? I'm advocating for a fifteen dollar minimum wage. Fifteen dollars. And scaling it to inflation. So that everyday Texans don't have to worry about inflation affecting their ability to take care of basic responsibilities. That's fairly decent, fifteen dollars. Even though probably some people in labor, being that that's what I was in before, yeah. would probably argue that that's higher. Yeah. But fifteen dollars—that's uh, a doubling the, the the wage right now. I mean, we haven't adjusted in the state of Texas minimum wage for productivity. So when you add in productivity and inflation. That minimum wage needs to increase. We need to uplift that baseline for families so that they're able to take care of the things that they need to. Now, this would be on a sliding scale or not a sliding scale. It would be in, in stages? It would be in stages. In stages? I propose in stages. Okay. So what would be the hang-up that people would have for that in the state of Texas? It seems like we're kind of backwards. I told a joke when we was off air about uh, uh, certain things I thought in Texas were, were lacking, and one of them obviously is the minimum wage. Yeah. Uh, another thing that's lacking is health care. That's right. Talk to me about health care. Yeah. I want to ensure access to accessible and affordable health care for all Texans. Texas is the most uninsured state in the country, and that's unacceptable. And we have everyday politicians in our state that aren't fighting to make sure that we're ensuring access to affordable health care for every Texan. It's making sure that wherever you live, you have access to a doctor. So about 20 rural hospitals have closed over the last 10 years. So you have folks in Amarillo that have to drive three hours to get good care. In Amarillo? In Amarillo. In Potter County, they have to drive three hours? If you want to get good mental health care. Good mental health care. That's right. You have to drive three hours to get that. That's not serving people. And you don't hear anybody talking about that. You don't hear anybody highlighting that. But you have everyday Texans in our state that are struggling. And that are worried that if something happens, I have to potentially go bankrupt because I don't have accessible and affordable health insurance. And I believe I'm just talking to you, which just me and you talking and everybody else just listening in. But, you know, this transcends racial dynamics right. in, in Potter County and Amarillo. That's uh, basically uh, Anglo-American. Yeah. Uh, but when it comes to health care, we are all... <laughs> I hate using that phrase in this boat together, okay. specifically out there for sure in in rural areas for sure uh what could be done beyond us saying that I mean you know what what can be done? It seems like a lot of these places they're fighting it because yes. I've been to to a part of county and i and I've driven around there and I, and you're right it's it's desolate we We talk about food deserts in yeah, yeah. african American communities, but we also have 
hospital deserts right. in those areas. That's right. I think there are a number of things that you can do, whether that's incentivizing doctors to be able to stay in rural areas so that those folks are able to have coverage and that those folks don't have to worry about having to drive those three, four hours to be able to get service. I think another big thing is increasing the Medicaid reimbursement rates so that doctors don't have to feel like, well, because I'm now having to deal with someone with Medicaid, that I'm not going to be able to make a good living. Right? Because the way that those, that Medicaid reimbursement rate is reflective of how we value low-income families. So we need to increase that reimbursement rate. Those are a couple of things that we can do to make sure that families all across the state have the affordable and accessible health insurance. Now, you said Amarillo, three hours. Three hours. Where are they going to drive to? That's right. I mean, Amarillo, where, where, where are they going? Lubbock. You probably go to Lubbock. And this is an issue all across the state. I mean, as we're talking about, everyday Texans are dealing with these Amarillo. problems. Amarillo. Mm. Lubbock. Huh? Okay. All right. We're getting ready to go to a break. And I'm going to look at your card, uh, Mr. Chinko. And That's right. I see. I got that you down. You got it. You got it. You I got, got that it. down. Got I've been practicing. I've been, it. you know, casually glancing at everything as you uh, answered the question and everything. But you know, Chinko, what kind of name is that? Yeah. It's a Ukraine, Russian, Ukrainian. You name. Russian man? I'm not. You are black Russian? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's actually a Cameroonian name, but with a couple of letters added in. But my grandmother, when she had my dad, she, she took out some of those letters. So that's why you have Chenko the okay, way that it's spelled. Okay, okay. Well, hey, you probably get some other votes that you didn't think you was going to get with that <laughs> name like that. So, hey, we get ready to go to a break. Uh, so uh, let's go ahead and uh, uh, let's play that introductory uh, message that Mr. Chenko has to the people of the state of Texas. All right? We'll be right back. When I was about seven years old, but on my mom's side, that divorce changed the trajectory of her life. She was working at Denny's, working over 40 hours a week. She picked me up in the summer because I would spend summers with her. And we went upstairs to our apartment. And when we walked in, we saw that there were no lights. So my mom looked at me and I looked at her. And she went into mom mode thinking about how to be able to be the best mom to me in that moment. Knowing that those next couple of days were going to be difficult because she didn't have the money to pay for the electricity bill. Those moments were not uncommon for me at all. And the reality is we need an advocate in Washington, D.C. who's going to be thinking about people like my mom. At first glance, I might not be what you're expecting to see as a candidate for the United States Senate. My name is Thierry Chenko. And look, I'm not your everyday politician, but I am your everyday Texan. And that's why I'm running to be the next United States Senator from Texas. As a young first-generation Texan, born and raised in Houston, I'm grateful to be from a state that values hard work and has endless possibilities when working families are given a chance to succeed. It's only in the United States that in one generation, my parents went from making under $200 a month in Cameroon to having their son work for the President of the United States. This election is going to be about who is going to fight for everyday Texans and working families. Who's going to have your back when the going gets tough? Is it going to be this guy? Orlando is awesome. It's not as nice as Cancun. It's one thing to make a cowardly decision like going to Cancun during Texas's lowest moment. It's another thing to make fun of that decision when hundreds of Texans died. As a lifelong public servant in government and as a nonprofit executive, I've had a front row seat into the challenges that everyday Texans face. And I've made it my personal lifelong mission to serve working families like mine. Because of the sacrifices my parents made, I was able to have a chance at touching the American dream. 
I graduated from McMurray University in Abilene, Texas with a degree in political science and I played college basketball before going to Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. and graduating with a master's degree. These are opportunities that should be available to all Texans. But unfortunately, we have a senator in Washington, D.C. that is only looking out for a select group of people. As Texas was hurting due to COVID-19 with small businesses closing, Ted Cruz decided to look out for his billionaire friends. But this election isn't just going to be about how bad Ted Cruz is. It's going to be about what type of vision do we want to cast? What values do we represent? As a Christian, I plan on using my faith to protect, uplift, and advocate for working families in this state. Not use my faith to marginalize and divide our state. And whether you're in Harlingen or you're in Houston, whether you're in Terlingua or Tyler, now it's time for an everyday Texan to get us back on track, ensuring that all Texans have a livable wage, solutions to an immigration system that's currently broken, affordable and accessible healthcare, and a public education system that values all teachers and students. We as Democrats haven't won a statewide race in almost 30 years in Texas, and we can't keep looking at everyday politicians to get us out of the political problems they helped create. We need something new, fresh, and different. My name is Thierry Chenko. Join me in creating a new way forward. All right, that was, I think we're back, aren't we? We're back again, and so is Texas, if we elect Thierry Chenko to be United States Senate. That's right. See how I did that? No, I rolled that one that. in. I, I ain't even mess up your name neither, man. So, hey, man, look here. Let me ask you, man, point blank. Now, uh, I, I, I see your card and everything. You are on, on Facebook, which clearly we are now because that's what they're looking at us on right now, and YouTube and Twitter. How, how, how can they get a hold of you yeah. to get your message? And so on our website, that's Chenko for Texas. That's T-C-H-E-N-K-O-F-O-R-T-E-X-A-S.com. And we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at Chenko for Texas. How's that working for you? It's working well. It's working well. We're excited about being out, getting our message out to folks, that positive vision of what we see for the state of Texas. Now, new way forward. That's, That's right. kind of catchy, man. How'd yeah. you come up with that? Your wife caught She She picked that up. No, I mean, she's been great. She's been great. But, we know, thinking about this campaign and what we're trying to do, we're trying to create a new way forward for the state that's focused on helping Texans and working families be successful and maximize their potential. Now, speaking of maximizing the potential, I've been maximizing the potential of my AC unit this year, this past oh, yeah. summer. And I'm hoping it don't go out, yeah. you know, because, uh, you know, the grid being what it is, sure. you know, can you do anything? Can you help a brother out? I mean, yeah. Can you make sure that it don't go out? Unless, of course, you uh, plan on going to Cancun like some other United States senators have yeah. done in the past. I think that the federal funding for weatherization is able to be helpful in making sure that we're not dealing with the same things that we dealt with during the winter storm. So that's something, those federal dollars, being able to pass that down to the state will be key in making sure we don't have that same thing happen again. So we can go ahead and do that and, and pass it along to here locally, or not right. locally, but here in the state of in Texas. The state of Texas. That? That's right. And that'll work? That'll work. It'll work. At least the dollars will be passed down. So especially through the, through the infrastructure bill that was passed, there are weatherization dollars, but we can do more. We can do more to make sure that Texas is not in that same position. What else can we do? I think it's making sure that we're holding oil and gas companies accountable. Uh-oh. You said holding oil and gas companies? Holding oil and gas companies accountable to make sure that they're able to weatherize, that they're able to 
do things in order that everyday Texans aren't dealing with the situations. In the launch video, I talk about hundreds of Texans dying. Are you running for office in the state of Texas? I'm and running you want to hold oil and gas companies accountable? For sure. For Ooh, sure. That's going to be hard for you to do, man. No, but that accountability is important. I'm asking people to hold me accountable. So it's not a one-way street. Everybody needs to be held accountable. And in order for us to get the state where it needs to be at, we all need to be held accountable. Now, I'm saying that because, you know, a lot of oil and gas people, they finance these, these, uh, yeah. uh, they finance these campaigns sure. and everything. Sure. They'll have you wearing cowboy boots when you normally don't wear cowboy boots. You look like you play some basketball. I did. Something like that. I so did. they'll have you playing uh, <laughs> basketball in cowboy boots if you ain't too careful. All of us need to be held accountable. That's the thing. I think right now the problem is that we have everyday politicians that aren't being held accountable. So on the campaign trail, they talk about issues that they think are going to get them votes, but then they get in the office and they don't do anything to actually fight to make sure that the lives of Texans are better. Now, when we talked about the grid and we just talked about holding people accountable yeah. on that, uh, what other ways uh, that we can help out. And I'm talking about the environment. This yeah. is a question more so the environment because it's about climate change. Yeah. Uh, what can we do about climate change in the state of Texas? I know if you go out west, you'll see these big old wind mm -hmm. turbines going, and you see these wind turbines going and everything. It looks scary from a long yeah. distance out. Then all of a sudden you get up there and you go like, that's what they are. Yeah. So are you in favor of us having more wind turbines because some people in the oil and gas industry they may not like that i think that we need a diversified energy portfolio so whether that's natural gas that's wind that's solar all of that needs to work together on my phone right now i have the ERCOT app and when you look at the ERCOT app to see the distribution of the different energy supplies that supply our state you see that we have a diversified portfolio and we need to continue on investing in that now, on your phone you have that. This is That's where right. we have show and tell, folks. That's right. What you got? And, and what does it do? So this is the ERCOT. This is the ERCOT app. As you can see here, you see solar, wind, and I'll show it to the audience as well. This is the ERCOT app that you can download in the App Store, and it shows you the fuel mix. And so it shows you the current generation, and the different energy supplies that we have. Solar, wind, natural gas. We need to continue on investing in different energy sources to make sure that we're in positions where we're able to be successful. Man, you, I, I have Facebook on mine. You have the Ericot app on yours. It's important. It's an important Well, it's issue. more important than Facebook. I'm, wait, wait, don't change that. Don't change that. Don't change that. See, I did that. But, hey, you know, this is what this is about, you know, uh, being able to go ahead and, and use all of the resources you have available. Yeah. So that's the technology that we had spoke about. Sure. When I first met you uh, uh, a couple of months back, you uh, and I had talked about technology. And we talked about a lot, of, uh, a lot of things as well. But talk to us about technology and how important it is for the state of Texas. It's incredibly important, making sure that folks are connected I think, you know, when people talk about technology often, you know, you get two sides. Either folks say that they're extremely happy right. about the technolog te technological advances we're making, or they look down upon technology because they're saying that we're not in community anymore. But the way that I look at it is the same way that I look at a knife. Right? A knife can be used for good 
or it can be used for bad, but it's how is it being used. And so we can use technology in order to be able to get messages out, encourage people, use it so that it's productive instead of being something that's destructive for our society. Do you a favor, and this is a, I know you're not part of the school district, but I want to go ahead and ask you, drilling down, because this is a STEM question, about giving more money into public schools for STEM. For sure. For sure. It's extremely important. I'm into giving more money for schools as a whole. You know, Ted Cruz said that school vouchers is the most important civil rights issue of the 21st century. So taking money out of schools, which not only affects the student, but also in certain counties, in many counties in our state, the school district is the biggest employer. Right, exactly. So you're now taking away jobs from families. Right. We have completely different views on that issue. My view was we should be using federal funding and passing that down to low-income, underserved school districts so that they can do what they need to do to be able to make sure that we're increasing those outcomes for families and students. And that's ironic that Ted Cruz said that when the Republican Party always liked to brag about what they did during the Civil War yeah. about freeing slaves yeah. uh, and emancipating people, and that part of that emancipation process was the creation of the public school system. Yeah. And now you want to take away money that's right. from something that you created. That's right. That's right. Now, Ted Cruz, we he, 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 you you got to talk about Ted Cruz. It seems like it, it, because he is the one who has, uh, well, he has the position of United States Senator. I'm going to ask you, uh, you just started campaigning. How many hours of sleep are you you getting these days? We're doing about 16 to 18 hour days. 16, 18 hour 16 days? 16 to 18 hour days. You're not getting any sleep that much? Not right? getting that much sleep. But, you're getting but it's hour. worth it. It's, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Campaigning, really trying to be an advocate for families. And that's not something that's going to start when I become a United States senator. That's something that started when I launched this campaign, is listening to the concerns of folks, listening to their needs, and having policies and having initiatives that are going to be able to help them out. That starts today. Now, what initiative do you bring that has never been thought of uh, by the other 99, or well, 100, the 100 senators that we have now? There's nothing new under the sun, so I'm not going to say that I'm bringing something that is groundbreaking. But what we are trying to do in the state of Texas— You're the first politician I've ever heard say that. There's nothing new underneath the sun. There is. I always say, I've I've created this, I've done this, but you're saying, no, it's nothing new. A part of the new way forward that we're trying to create is honesty. I'm not just going to go around making promises that I can't deliver. But at the same time, we do want to create a new way forward in our state that's serving people. And that's the heart behind this campaign, is making sure that we're serving folks and making sure that we're caring for their needs. All right, you're a community servant. That's right. You've done a lot of community service yeah. work. Let's talk about what I consider to be, and probably some people out there uh, consider it to be uh, a community service as well. When they're driving along the freeway and they see the homeless underneath the bridge, yeah. uh, what can we do from a nationwide to a statewide and drilling down to various communities and municipalities to uh, alleviate the homeless situation. You know, I mentioned me being able to work with government partners when I was a nonprofit executive. I think the same thing is possible, whether that's public-private partnerships or those are partnerships from federal, state, and the local level working together to figure out how are we 
helping out those that are homeless be able to put themselves in a better situation. When I did my Talk in Texas series earlier this year, you know, I talked to someone who was homeless in Houston. And he said, well, I, just getting a home isn't enough. I need to be able to have a career because I need to pay rent. I need to take care of basic responsibilities. So when I talk about the minimum wage and increasing that baseline for families, it's important even for someone that's homeless because if we give them a home, there are other responsibilities that they have as well. So if they're not able to have good wages, if they're not able to have a good health insurance so that if something bad happens at their job or just life happens, that they don't have to worry about being homeless again because they have to spend all their money and all their wages on health insurance or on health care. So that's what we're proposing is trying to figure out ways of being able to take care of people's needs as a whole. Now, one of the needs uh, as a whole is Medicare, Medicaid. How does Texas rank in rank when it comes to that? Well, you know, we haven't done Medicaid expansion. So we haven't bought into that, which to me is just unacceptable. And so that's something that we need to be able to do as a state. But on the federal level, which is why I talk about ensuring access. Explain that again. Go we, ha- we, ha- we haven't expanded Medicaid in the state of Texas. We're one of the few states that hasn't expanded Medicaid. So you have families that could have health insurance that currently don't, and specifically low-income families that don't have any health insurance. And that's what you were saying earlier about how many Texans are uninsured. That's right. We have about 20%. Texans that are uninsured. 20% of Texans are uninsured. Well, how do they get? Healthcare is great if you can get it, I That's guess. Right. That's so right. So how do they go about getting healthcare? It's very difficult. It's very, very difficult. So now Texans are having to go to the ER and having to pay out of pocket. Oh, go to the ER. Uh, having to pay out of pocket. And and they're not going to pay it because they can't pay for it. That's if they right. wanted to pay for it, they would have insurance in the first place. That's right. So now hospitals then now have uncompensated care. So all around, it's broken. It's broken for the hospitals. It's broken for the everyday Texans. And it's why we need a solution on health care that ensures that every Texan has access. So Medicaid, that's, that's where it comes in? At? It, well, it's as a whole, as a whole, but specifically Medicaid in terms of what we haven't, we haven't passed Medicaid expansion in the state of Texas. All right, that's, that sounds stupid. Yeah. Uh, why? I mean, it's I mean, okay. <laughs> I'm a rhetorical question. Well, why? I mean, I mean, you might have to ask Governor Abbott and, you know, the folks in Austin. But, again, they're not focused on serving everyday Texans. I am. And that's the new way forward that we're presenting is regardless of if it's a Republican or it's a Democrat that comes up with the solution, if it's a good solution, I'm going to be for that. Okay. All right. Well, you know what? It's coming up on the 520 mark. I think this is time for... Can I play my own drops? Man, I listened no, to you earlier. No, man. do you think? No problem. Okay. All right. So I think... Uh, uh, Master of Ceremonies. Let's go ahead and play some air gray drops, and we'll be right back. Who was that masked man? You mean you don't know? That was no masked man. That was the commish. Saturdays from 5 to 6 p.m. on the Fishbowl Radio Network. How you doing? This is Ed Gray of the Commish Radio Show. Stay tuned and tune in and be up to speed on everything in social justice, human rights, and politics on the Commish Radio Show, airing every Saturday, 5 p.m. on the Fishbowl Radio Network. Jump in. 
Oh, well, jump in, jump into Texas politics where you can follow me, Ed Gray1906, on Twitter and Instagram. And where can they follow you? They can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Chanko for Texas. That's T C H E N K O F O R T E X A S. And you can go to ChankoforTexas.com as well. All right. You got TikTok? I do. I don't do TikTok, man. Talk to me. Talk to me. Yeah, I just don't do TikTok, man. I don't do TikTok. Why not? Man. I don't do TikTok, man. I, I, I'm older than you, man. I need something that I So you stick do. to Facebook and Twitter? Yeah. Yeah, Instagram. Yeah. 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 But no TikTok. No TikTok. Huh? So how do you do your TikTok? Well, we're making sure that our campaign message... Ain't nothing wrong with it. I'm just... Saying, no, you know, not at all. Know. Not at all. No. So, I mean, we record our small videos and then we upload them. Okay. All right. We I mean, might have to get you on TikTok. I may, I may have to. <laughs> I mean, uh, they have to do something different, man. You know, you know that's it. I'm, I'm doing TED Talks and stuff now. That's also good, too. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, but TikTok, I think that's, that's where it's at. Are you going to ban TikTok? I won't ban TikTok. I won't ban TikTok. Well, since you're on it, you know, you, <laughs> you wouldn't do that. What do you think about that? Well, yeah, I think that it's important for us to be able to, I think there's a balance. We can make sure that we're having different platforms that are safe, but that we're also able to use those platforms so that it can be for the benefit of people. Now, we talked about TikTok, and, and that's because the, it's supposedly the Chinese mm-hmm. are involved in TikTok. What is, and I know this seems to be some people going like, what is he talking about Chinese? He's running for United States Senate, yeah. so they talk about stuff like that. Up there. Foreign relations, yeah. you apparently because you have relatives and you have a, a, a broader a, a broader scope than some people have in foreign relations. Could you talk to us about your foreign relations and what you would do in the United States Senate? Well, I think my perspective, being a first-generation Texan with parents from Cameroon, allows me to have a global view. How did they get here? So they came here legally. My my mom came they here. They came here legally. They came here legally. 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 Okay, I want to make sure we say that. L e g a l l y. Well, you, you got to say it again for me. <laughs> legally. Legally. That's All right. right. I don't. I don't want nobody saying, "Look, that that's what." No, no, not a problem. Not All a problem. Right. But making sure it, it gives me a global. <laughs> it gives me a global view, understanding the different things that are going on in the world. But also, you know, for me, it's important that we're making sure that the first thing that I'm thinking about is American businesses, American workers, that we're investing in America and that we're protecting American interests. American interests. Do you think, uh, your, your name, Chinko, do you think American interests are protected in the Ukraine? Well, I think that it's something that, you know, I've been pleased with what's going on in terms of the United States' engagement in Ukraine, but it's something that we have to continually be able to evaluate. I bet you get that question asked when people start asking you the name and derivative of the name and everything. For sure. Now, have you uh, visited any other foreign countries? I haven't. I have. Well, I've visited a couple, actually. So in Europe, I've been able to go to Europe and visit a couple countries there. The uh, health system in Europe, uh, compared to the United States health system, do you see any way in which we can make our health system better? I think so. And it's when I talk about ensuring that every Texan has affordable and accessible health insurance, I think there's a huge opportunity there. You know, I was in Graham. I was in Graham, Texas speaking, and I talked to a small you business. You were in Graham, Texas. I was in Graham, Texas. 
This is a 254 county campaign. We're going to try to go and talk to as many people as we can all over the state. And so I was in Graham, and I was talking to a small business owner. She said she makes $30,000 a year, but she has to pay $600 a month for health insurance. She makes how much? $30,000 a year, and she has to pay $600 a month for health insurance. So you can see how it's difficult for families to stay afloat whenever just on health insurance you're having to pay $600. We need a solution on health care so that people like the lady in Graham don't have to worry about, well, am I either going to have health insurance or, or food? There you go. Or being be able to pay my rent. Well, that's easy right there. You, you, you're going to do one or the other, and, right. and one is going to be lacking that's on right. that. That's right. And we shouldn't be putting people in those positions. If you're working 40 hours a week, you should be able to take care of your basic responsibilities. That's the vision that I have for this state. If you're working 40 hours a week, there's no reason why you should be in a situation like what I saw in Graham. In Graham, Texas, you saw that. Right. But you see that all over the state, whether that's in Houston, whether that's in Dallas, Graham, El Paso, Terlingua, Abilene, you're seeing that all over the state where people are having to make decisions. Well, do I end up paying for food? In the launch video, I talk about my mom. Right. Working at Denny's, working over 40 hours a week, but having to decide, well, I can't pay for this electricity bill, even though I'm working over 40 hours a week. Now, I looked at that when you first sent it to me, and I, and I could visualize that, and she was doing mom stuff. That's right. Trying to make you feel good about, well, okay, the lights are not going to come in on. That's right. And everything. So you went through that, so you've, you know the pain of that. I understand it. I understand it deeply. And it's something that millions of families all across the state are going through in one way or another. And we need an advocate, though, in D.C. that's going to be thinking about them. And we don't currently have that right now. So what do you think we have? We have everyday politicians that talk about issues. On the campaign trail, they'll say a lot of things. But when it's time to be in Washington or to be in the state legislature and provide an alternative and say, look, maybe I'm in the minority or maybe I understand how politics works. And I've worked in Washington, so I get it. But at least being able to provide an alternative and saying that the other party stands for this, this is what I stand for. And that's a promise that I make to Texans that when elected, you'll know where I stand on key issues. Now, you worked on the, in the Office of Management and Budget. That's right. What did you do? So I was a civil servant in the Office of Management and Budget in the Budget Review Branch. So you have the political appointee <coughs> side, and then you also have the civil service side, which is those folks are there regardless of administration. All right. Let's take a quick uh, break, and when we come back, we will conclude with our interview. Hey, man, uh, I, I sure do appreciate you educating me on all this. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate all right. this. All right. Growing up, my parents divorced when I was about seven years old. But on my mom's side, that divorce changed the trajectory of her life. She was working at Denny's, working over 40 hours a week. She picked me up in the summer because I would spend summers with her. And we went upstairs to our apartment. When we walked in, we saw that there were no lights. So my mom looked at me and I looked at her and she went into mom mode thinking about how to be able to be the best mom to me in that moment, knowing that those next couple of days were going to be difficult because she didn't have the money to pay for the electricity bill. Those moments were not uncommon for me at all. And the reality is we need an advocate in Washington, D.C. who's going to be thinking about people like my mom. At first glance, I might not be what you're expecting to see, 
as a candidate for the United States Senate. My name is Thierry Chenko, and look, I'm not your everyday politician, but I am your everyday Texan, and that's why I'm running to be the next United States Senator from Texas. As a young first-generation Texan, born and raised in Houston, I'm grateful to be from a state that values hard work and has endless possibilities when working families are given a chance to succeed. It's only in the United States that in one generation, my parents went from making under $200 a month in Cameroon to having their son work for the President of the United States. This election is going to be about who is going to fight for everyday Texans and working families. Who's going to have your back when the going gets tough? Is it going to be this guy? Orlando is awesome! It's not as nice as Cancun. It's one thing to make a cowardly decision like going to Cancun during Texas's lowest moment. It's another thing to make fun of that decision when hundreds of Texans died. As a lifelong public servant in government and as a nonprofit executive, I've had a front row seat into the challenges that everyday Texans face, and I've made it my personal lifelong mission to serve working families like mine. Because of the sacrifices my parents made, I was able to have a chance at touching the American dream. I graduated from McMurray University in Abilene, Texas with a degree in political science and I played college basketball before going to Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. and graduating with a master's degree. These are opportunities that should be available to all Texans. But unfortunately, we have a senator in Washington, D.C. that is only looking out for a select group of people. As Texas was hurting due to COVID-19 with small businesses closing, Ted Cruz decided to look up for his billionaire friends. But this election isn't just going to be about how bad Ted Cruz is. It's going to be about what type of vision do we want to cast? What values do we represent? As a Christian, I plan on using my faith to protect, uplift, and advocate for working families in this state. Not use my faith to marginalize and divide our state. And whether you're in Harlingen or you're in Houston, whether you're in Terlingua or Tyler, now it's time for an everyday Texan to get us back on track, ensuring that all Texans have a livable wage, solutions to an immigration system that's currently broken, affordable and accessible health care, and a public education system that values all teachers and students. We as Democrats haven't won a statewide race in almost 30 years in Texas, and we can't keep looking at everyday politicians to get us out of the political problems they helped create. We need something new, fresh, and different. My name is Thierry Chenko. Join me in creating a new way forward. All right. All right. We were just talking during break and everything about uh, past experiences in D.C. Why you want to go back to D.C.? Traffic is bad back there, man. Yeah, and I'm going to live in Houston. I'm going to stay Oh, in well, okay, okay. Well, traffic is worse <laughs> in Houston. So I'll go up there, you know, to vote and introduce policy and to try to find ways of being able to make sure that Texans are better off, but I'll keep my st my house in, in Houston. Well, yeah, well, yeah, you have to on that one. You have to, well, you, you used to driving around the state of Texas. Now you'd be used to flying back and forth to, uh, uh, well, out of hobby, I guess, up into, uh, to, uh, well, I, I just can't call it Reagan. I'm sorry. Well, you, you can call it DCA. Not, yeah. There you go. <laughs> I, I, I just can't do that, you know. Uh, no offense to the former president. I just, you know, I, I, I was born in Washington, D.C., and no Washingtonian referred to it as Reagan. They just don't. They call it national. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it. So that's what what's going on on that. One of the things I would always ask anybody, uh, 
if they serve in the United States Senate, I hopefully I'll see it in my lifetime, is that uh, no representation, you know, no taxation without representation because D.C. doesn't get any representation in no. the United States Congress. No. We, I say we, and I have my relatives, they look at this show all the time. Uh, we have more people in the district than they have in Montana, but Montana has more voting representation than uh, anyone in Southeast uh, Washington, Mm D.C. Very true. Very true. Hopefully you'll be able to do something about that. For sure. Hopefully you'll be able to do something about that. Man, I'm, 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 I'm just, just talking to you, man. It's like, we're sitting there, uh, we first met the city of Grand Prairie, uh, Councilman Junior Izuno was having a, a get together, and uh, we talked and we we bonded. And I didn't know, man, that we were going to be talking about this. Did you know about that then? So that you and and that was when was when was that again? Man, I can't recall exactly when that was. But so yeah. I, that was in the process of you know me doing the talking Texas series, going around the state of Texas, talking to people. So. There was that conviction that I was wrestling with all of this during that time period. How much wrestling did you actually do? I did a ton of wrestling. I did a ton of wrestling. This is not a, I mean, this is a decision that's going to affect my family, you know, my wife, but extended family as well. So I wanted to make sure that this was something that we were all in on. Well, tell me about, you, you mentioned your wife. Tell me about your wife. Yeah. So my wife, she is, her name is So Gloria. she's just sitting there looking right that's at right, me. Right, that's that's right, that's right, that's right. It would be like being in church, you know, and you say, yeah, you're not going to mention the, the, the first lady? Yeah. <laughs> no, but my wife, uh, her name is Gloria, and she was born in Manawa, Nicaragua, and then moved to Miami whenever she was three with her mom and her sister. And, you know, during that time period, leaving Nicaragua because of the dangerous conditions that she was in, you know, it's another reason why this immigration issue is so important because she had to deal with a ton of things at the border, her mom having to go through horrible situations at the border. It's why we need a solution, and it's something that is dear to my heart but also dear to hers. So grew up in Miami, and we met in D.C. We met in D.C., both working in D.C., and luckily enough, I was able to marry her in 2021, and she came down to Texas at the end of that year. That's a story right there. That's right. That's a story right there. I mean, you're just so international, man. Well, I mean, that's what you are. I mean, I'm not international. I just go to Corsicana, so hey, they ain't international. And I was actually in Corsicana for the uh, Talking Texas series. You might have to check that out. Oh, uh, were you really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, you start tagging me on this, and we'll start putting that on there and everything. So what you find out about people from Corsicana? Well, you know, when we were in Corsicana, the, when I had, was able to talk to some folks there, and the education issue was huge, as well as mental health. As well as mental health. So when I talk about, you know, being in Amarillo and having to drive three hours for mental health care, it's something that a ton of Texans are talking to me about on the campaign trail. And a lot of folks were talking to me about that during the Talking Texas series. So making sure that that's not something that's um, taboo or stigma and being able to be open and saying that, look, all of us at some point are going to deal with mental health issues. They look one way or another, but all of us deal with that. All of us go through highs and lows. Mental health catches catches a lot of hell on that yeah. you know and it shouldn't because it's just that mental health it's that's just right. like you anything else that's right. it's health that's right now um, one of the things i have noticed is that anytime that there is a mass shooting 
someone to run the mental health flag up. What do you think about that? You know, it's, you, I always want to be careful whenever I talk about that issue and, you know, I don't know what, I don't know what people are going through internally. But what I will say is that on that issue, there needs to be, and we talked about it at the top, accountability. There needs to be accountability. So if folks are dealing with mental health issues, then we need to make sure that we're enacting red flag laws to make sure that we're, that's being flagged so that they're not able to have access to a gun. That's extremely important. But I don't think that all of those issues, not all of those issues, that I think sometimes that's a cop-out yeah. that some people use. Some people just, they went somewhere and they shot somebody, and then they say, hey, look, I've had a bad day. I'm depressed. I don't think that's always the case. I think we just have some people that are evil. And I'm, this is me, not you. It's sort of uh, what I did inside Texas politics. They had the shooting uh, of uh, uh, in, in South Carolina. And that guy, people later on say, well, he had mental health issues. No, you were playing straight up racist. And that's what it is, like in El Paso. Oh, well, he had mental health issues. No, you don't like Mexicans. You don't like black people. That's what you don't like. You don't like people that don't look like you. That's what it, what it is. So guns, Texas is being Texas. What do you think about gun control? I want to encourage responsible gun ownership. That's something that's important, making sure that we are we have common sense background checks that were banning bump stocks so that you can't take a semi-automatic weapon and turn, turn it into a fully automatic weapon whenever we don't sell fully automatic weapons. So why should we allow for bump stocks to allow you to make a weapon fully automatic? Making sure that we have red flag laws so that folks that are dealing with mental health issues aren't able to get access to a gun. But I want to encourage responsible gun ownership. You're not going to take away people's guns, are you? No, I won't. Okay. But I want to make sure I, that I, people I'm that just, have guns are responsible. With I'm just guns. saying, you know, because I heard some politicians say that, and I went, like, he ain't going to get elected. I ain't going to mention his name. <sighs> well, so much for talking about Beto today. So, anyway, I did that, not you. So, hey, that's it, what it is. But, but it's, a, it's, it's an important issue. It's an important but, issue. And, you know, I come from a family of gun owners. So I get it. I understand. You own a gun? I don't own a gun, but my family, I have family members that own a gun. Okay. And so I understand that it's an important issue, but we want to encourage responsible gun ownership. All right. So in the closing minutes that we have, tell us, and there's that camera right there, tell us why we should elect you to become a United States senator. I'm not your everyday politician. I'm an everyday Texan that understands your needs, that understands the concerns, because I've also gone through those same concerns and gone through those same issues. And we need a United States Senate that's going to be able to cast a positive vision for the state, not just being against something, but being for something so that on key issues, whether that's making sure that people have a livable wage, making sure that our education system is fully funded, having accessible and affordable health insurance, or having solutions to an immigration system that's currently broken. We need a United States Senate that's going to go to Washington and be advocating for everyday Texans and working families. And we need someone 
that is going to be able to deliver on those issues. I've done that. That's in local government, making sure that resources are accessible, and as a nonprofit executive, making sure that providing home repairs for seniors, vets, and low-income families. That's something that I've done my whole career, and it's something that I'll continue to do when elected as your next United States senator. And this is a paid political advertisement <laughs> by the Chinko. <laughs> by the Chinko for... 2024 candidate uh, for the United States Senate. That's right. We're creating a new way forward. New way forward. All right. All right. Let's play the drop, and we will see you guys back next week. Uh, Stay tuned for more of uh, Weather Commission Radio Show on Roku, where you'll be able to see this, and also on YouTube, where you'll be able to see it as well. So thank you for tuning in. All right. Growing up, my parents divorced when I was about seven years old. But on my mom's side, That divorce changed the trajectory of her life. She was working at Denny's, working over 40 hours a week. She picked me up in the summer because I would spend summers with her. And we went upstairs to our apartment. And when we walked in, we saw that there were no lights. So my mom looked at me and I looked at her. And she went into mom mode thinking about how to be able to be the best mom to me in that moment, knowing that those next couple of days were going to be difficult because she didn't have the money to pay for the electricity bill. Those moments were not uncommon for me at all. And the reality is we need an advocate in Washington, D.C. Who's going to be thinking about people like my mom? At first glance, I might not be what you're expecting to see as a candidate for the United States Senate. My name is Thierry Chenko. And look, I'm not your everyday politician, but I am your everyday Texan. And that's why I'm running to be the next United States Senator from Texas. As a young first-generation Texan, born and raised in Houston, I'm grateful to be from a state that values hard work and has endless possibilities when working families are given a chance to succeed. It's only in the United States that in one generation, my parents went from making under $200 a month in Cameroon to having their son work for the President of the United States. This election is going to be about who is going to fight for everyday Texans and working families. Who's going to have your back when the going gets tough? Is it going to be this guy? Orlando is awesome. It's not as nice as Cancun. It's one thing to make a cowardly decision like going to Cancun during Texas's lowest moment. It's another thing to make fun of that decision when hundreds of Texans died. As a lifelong public servant in government and as a nonprofit executive, I've had a front row seat into the challenges that everyday Texans face. And I've made it my personal lifelong mission to serve working families like mine. Because of the sacrifices my parents made, I was able to have a chance at touching the American dream. I graduated from McMurray University in Abilene, Texas with a degree in political science and I played college basketball before going to Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. and graduating with a master's degree. These are opportunities that should be available to all Texans. But unfortunately, we have a senator in Washington, D.C. that is only looking out for a select group of people. As Texas was hurting due to COVID-19 with small businesses closing, Ted Cruz decided to look up for his billionaire friends. But this election isn't just going to be about how bad Ted Cruz is. It's going to be about what type of vision do we want to cast? What values do we represent? As a Christian, I plan on using my faith to protect, uplift, and advocate for working families in this state. Not use my faith to marginalize and divide our state. And whether you're in Harlingen or you're in Houston, whether you're in Terlingua or Tyler, Now it's time for an everyday Texan to get us back on track, ensuring that all Texans have a livable wage, solutions to an immigration system that's currently broken, affordable and accessible health care, 
and a public education system that values all teachers and students. We as Democrats haven't won a statewide race in almost 30 years in Texas, and we can't keep looking at everyday politicians to get us out of the political problems they helped create. We need something new, fresh, and different. My name is Thierry Chenko. Join me in creating a new way forward.